This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Historic norms might expect that people near retirement age don't carry as much debt as they might in their 20s and 30s, but apparently that trend has been changing. Older Americans are carrying more debt into retirement, and that could very well be leading to problems with retirement savings. Olivia Mitchell is a professor of business economics and public policy, as well as professor of insurance and risk management with the Wharton School. She is also executive director of the Pension Research Council and has taken a deeper dive into this and joins us on the line. Olivia, great to talk to you again. Thank you for having me. A pleasure to be here. Thank you. And we should note that the work we're talking about here today uh, is uh, work that you have also done with Anna Maria Lusardi of George Washington University and Noemi O'Garo of uh, University of Turin. And, and I guess this is uh, kind of an advancement of work you guys had done back a couple of years ago? Absolutely right. So a few years ago, actually, after the Great Recession of 2008-9, we took a step back and started looking at debt of people as they neared retirement. And what we found, to our great shock, was that the percentage of people entering retirement rose from 64% to over 70% for baby boomers, and the median debt quintupled for the baby boomers. So this was quite a shock because we had expected as we knew in the good old days that people would try to draw down their debt as they move toward retirement. That's not the case anymore. So the last then decade plus, uh, it sounds like we've seen a continuing of this, of this trend. Absolutely. Now we don't know yet what has happened during COVID. Um, So that's, still to be played out, and we have to see what the new surveys show. But it appears that instead of going with the old way of the mortgage-burning party, which is what people did when they paid off prior to retirement, nowadays we see people buying bigger, more expensive houses, putting less down payment, and therefore carrying their bigger mortgages into retirement, which can put them in very tight straits if they're not very careful. So then to a degree, that goes to the mindset of the people in in this age group, uh, in this generation, being maybe different, as you said, to maybe uh, retirement, people of retirement age 30, 40 years ago. The mindset has probably changed a little bit. Well, I think one of the big changes in mindset was the attitude that people had prior to the Great Recession, uh, thinking that houses could never decline in value. And so... Um, during that big run-up in housing prices, people flipped houses, bought bigger and bigger properties. Uh, of course, then the nature and construction of mortgages changed, so people didn't have to put as much money down. And then right. that ended with a, a thud during the Great uh, Recession, when people ended up overextended and ended up, many of them, in default on their mortgages. How important then is this research right now in the scope of, of what we've seen go on, go on uh, with our country's economy over the last couple of decades? And just also about knowing more about the impact of, of personal debt in general. The main concerns that we have is that people are that people who are moving into retirement don't necessarily have a lot of degrees of freedom. So if, for example, interest rates start to rise again, 
and they're on a variable rate mortgage, then they're going to have to be paying more for their homes. And that could be a, a big bath of cold water. The other thing that shocked me, actually, was the prevalence of um, student loans among folks yeah. who, over the age of 50. So about uh, 29% of the borrowers uh, for student loans were in default um, for those student loans. That is, that they were not paying um, more than 270 days past due. Um, and so, in fact, if you move into retirement and you take your Social Security and you have a federal government loan or you've co-signed for a child or some other relative, then part of your Social Security benefits can be garnished as well. So this is a very different world in terms of debt than our parents and grandparents uh, lived in. You, you mentioned kids. How, how do, do children factor into some of these dynamics as well? Well, what we found was that people in their, say, age 50 to 60, um, who are in most debt nearing retirement, are most likely to have dependent children, children under the age of 18 and uh, also experienced negative income shocks. Not right. surprisingly, this has led them to feeling over-indebted, stressed about their financial situations. They get calls from debt collectors. It's just a very difficult situation to be in. Medical debt also has played a role in that, um, with people not having sufficient health insurance to be able to pay their medical bills. Well, the, the stress part of it that, that you just mentioned, uh, certainly that uh, creates medical issues, which uh, can impact the health exactly. of these retirees and, again, is also the financial burden of having to deal with something extra that maybe they wouldn't normally have to. Absolutely. And so the general concern with financial fragility, people's sense of just impending doom for financial reasons is something that we're very worried about, especially in this still continuing COVID pandemic. The one bit of silver lining is that financial literacy can play a very positive role. So we've been working a lot on this topic over the last decade or so. But what we found is that the people who were most financially literate were the happiest from a financial perspective. So for example, if you were able to answer one additional financial literacy question in our little quick test, then you were 11% more likely to plan for retirement. You were 4% more likely to report a good credit score and you know less likely to be hounded by debt collectors. So that's a positive. So this goes back to something that you and I have talked about quite a bit in my time doing this show on the, on this channel is the fact of education, but from a variety of different right. uh, perspectives, one being the financial literacy element of it, uh, but two now off of this research also maybe is the focus and, and better understanding of the issues of debt at a younger age so that potentially you don't have them as you as you get older and closer to retirement. I have been a big fan of mandating financial education in the high schools um, for years. Some states, a relatively small number, like seven or eight states, have actually mandated a financial education program in high school before kids graduate. And the research has shown that when they grow up and become young adults, 
the people that attended high schools in the states with those financial education mandates are much more financially savvy. So they budget better, they plan for retirement, they save, they diversify their savings, and they're less likely to take out student loans that they can't repay. So there's a real social benefit to financial education in the schools. You also uh, briefly noted in your work uh, about the differences in terms of how the reaction to debt occurs between men and women, correct? That's right. And we also focus not only on men versus women, but African-Americans versus Hispanics versus whites and more and less educated. And not surprisingly, we find that the most vulnerable groups to financial stress due to debt are the black Americans, women, and the least educated. Hispanics are also up there, but not quite as feeling stressed as the African Americans. What are the, you think that the, the important takeaways from, from doing this research then? Well, I think that um, from the point of view of individuals and families, they need to really step back and take a hard look at their high cost debt. So, um, you know, Credit card debt is still extremely expensive. Payday loans, auto title loans, um, pawn shops, all those are very expensive forms of debt, and yet they become normalized in many people's lives. Um, Another concern from the more macro perspective is that uh, central bankers really need to take a look at the level of debt in the population, not just federal debt, which we know is exploding, but also household debt, because that means the bigger the debt, the more susceptible people are to changes in the interest rate, and that will potentially put them in even deeper trouble. Well, and unfortunately, I would imagine, Olivia, that if there's not a ton of concern about debt when you're thinking about how the federal government runs itself, it becomes more and more of a challenge as you go kind of down the line to have this issue addressed uh, at other levels. The hope is that it will, but unfortunately our our government doesn't, uh, to a degree, set the right pattern on this. I have to agree with you, but when we surveyed people, we asked them as they were in their 50s, moving into their 60s, 10 years ago, how much thought did you give to the amount of debt you would take with you into retirement? Almost nobody did. This was not a consideration in thinking ahead. And they were already in their 50s when we asked them. So I believe we have to start way back sooner, um, beginning with student debt, beginning with credit card loans, et cetera, and um, educate people on, for example, compound interest, how much it's going to cost you if you don't pay uh, any more than the minimum on your credit card. It's going to be very, very expensive. You mentioned the, the fact that states, some states do mandate uh, financial literacy education. Is this, in your mind, truly a kind of a state's issue more so than the federal government? Well, because education tends to be uh, managed, financed, and organized at the state level in the U.S., and even sometimes the municipal level, of course, then we do have a very decentralized system. And so that's why it takes states to be able to move ahead on the mandates. But some people have suggested that an alternative approach might be um, doable at the federal level, such that, for example, you might not be permitted to invest in certain kinds of risky assets unless you could pass 
a simple financial literacy test, just like you can't drive if you don't have a driver's license. And so there may be ways that the federal government, if interested, could get involved in trying to help protect people and educate people. I would imagine that in probably a similar way to how we've talked about in past the impact uh, of recessions on uh, on retirement benefits, uh, that you can kind of have an expectation or figure out how much of a loss people are dealing with. Uh, It may be a situation now where this is a an important topic to truly understand how much of a loss people would be potentially feeling by carrying debt. I mean, if you if you right. see the numbers on it, then maybe it starts to, uh, to to drive home a little bit better. I think that's the case. Um, now, the Labor Department has been asking all employers who provide pensions to provide participants in those plans an illustration of the income streams that their retirement assets will throw off when they hit the retirement age, you name it, you know, 65, 67, whatever. And what is amazing is that I think many people have what we call lump sum illusion. That is, they see that they have $100,000 in their account and they feel rich. And what they don't realize is if it's converted to an income stream, that may be worth Six thousand a year, or sixty five hundred a year, depending on how old you are. So that's another part of the educational efforts that the U.S. Labor Department is trying to put in place. And I think a lot of people will be shocked once that is implemented. What's the next step in, in this process then for for you and Anna Maria and, and Noemi in terms of the research? Is there a next step that you want to take this research? Well, we're very much interested in some of the factors that are associated with low wealth accumulation, especially among African-Americans and and, uh, Hispanic women. And so our next project is looking in greater detail at some of the differential, differentiating factors that are affecting those groups. Um, And and so I think that is uh, very much our next project. All right. Olivia, as always, great to talk with you. We will catch up with you again very soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you. Olivia Mitchell from the Wharton School and also Executive Director of the Pension Research Council. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.